UK Cambridge Centre podcast. In this Integrated Cancer Medicine Research in Focus series, I talk to various ICM members about their research and how it is supported by the vision of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine. MFICM research uses cutting-edge analytics to maximise the use of diverse high-volume datasets and by capturing cancer heterogeneity in time and space in patients receiving active treatment. Integrated Cancer Medicine aims to transform the way the world treats cancer by affecting patients along their treatment pathway and ultimately accelerate cures. So today I have with me Professor Charlotte Coles to talk about her work in the personalisation of radiation techniques to give patients the best chance of cure with the least side effects. Charlotte is Professor of Breast Cancer Clinical Oncology and Deputy Head of Department of Oncology at the University of Cambridge. She is also the Director of the CRUK Radnet Cambridge. So Charlotte, to start with, can you tell us a bit about what radiation is and how it relates to patients with cancer? Yes, of course. Thanks, Ellie. So as most of us know, one in two people will develop cancer in their lifetimes. And actually, around half of these will require radiotherapy, and, and most of these are with curative intent. So what we do is we mainly use X-ray radiation for treatment. And so that's similar to what you would use for just a simple chest X-ray, but it's got much higher energy, so the X-rays can penetrate much more deeply into the body if needed. The X-rays are converted into chemical energy, so quite simplistically, the radiotherapy can cause damage to cancer DNA and the most lethal being double-strand breaks. And it's very hard for the cancer cells to repair, so these die. But we're just beginning to understand that there's really complex molecular pathways that radiotherapy interacts with. And one exciting area is how radiotherapy can interact with the immune system. And it's got great potential to prime the immune system and could be used with new immunotherapy drugs. Luckily, normal tissue is much better at repairing itself than cancer. In addition, radiotherapy is really targeted, so you can deliver it really precisely to avoid the normal tissue as much as possible. Tell me, what is the main area or the main focus of your research in particular? The research I've been carried out, of course, is part of a, a very large multidisciplinary team, and this addresses what we call risk-adapted breast radiotherapy. And this is where the radiotherapy is tailored to give the best chance of cure with the less side effects. And this is really important because although breast radiotherapy is usually very well tolerated, there can be some lasting side effects. And these can be things like breast fibrosis or, or scar tissue that can cause a change in shape, size and appearance of the breast. So this can cause physical symptoms, but it can also cause you know, sometimes quite severe psychological distress due to perceptions of body image. So this is just as important as the physical side. In addition, there's some very rare but potentially serious side effects. And so an example would be radiation-induced heart problems. And actually, they can occur decades after treatment. And they're particularly important as more and more people are living longer after breast cancer. Thank goodness. Absolutely. So you've touched on it a little bit already, but why is using personalised radiation therapy for people with breast cancer important? And how has it developed in the last five years? Perhaps we could talk to that. So it's a really important treatment, breast radiotherapy, because we, we treat more than 30,000 people with breast radiotherapy in the UK per year. So it's the commonest form of radiotherapy. We usually give it after surgery to treat possible microscopic disease. 
And it's been proven to reduce the risk of local relapse and it can also increase overall survival for some people with breast cancer, particularly those at high risk of cancer relapse. But we of course know that breast cancer is not just one disease and it's made up of lots of different subtypes. So the advances in, in understanding cancer biology have resulted in different drug treatments that we've heard a lot about in the news and tailored the treatment you know, to each subtype. So we call that personalised treatment. Now, until recently, radiotherapy's lagged behind, and it's been very much of a one-size-fits-all. So, for example, it would have been very common for virtually everyone to have five weeks of treatment to the whole breast, whatever kind of risk they were. But as the result of breast radiotherapy trials, many that have been led in the UK, it's possible to offer a whole range of uh, breast radiotherapy treatments. And this ranges from actually not giving radiotherapy at all with some people who are really low risk of recurrence and then partial breast radiotherapy for low risk building up to what we call simultaneous integrated boost with complex intensity modulated radiotherapy mapping the dose from higher to lower regions of recurrence and we've also at the same time successfully reduced the burden of breast radiotherapy by reducing this from what was five to seven weeks of treatment to three weeks or even just one week for many people. And this is by giving a more concentrated radiotherapy dose in a shorter time. I mean, that's massive change, really. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And can these techniques be used on other disease areas or is it just breast cancer? No, no, absolutely. There is a biological reason why we want to treat with what we call hyperfractionation with these higher dose but shorter treatments. Prostate cancer is another one, but of course, any cancers really, we can kind of tailor using our, you know, intensity modulated radiotherapy as well. So yes, it can, but prostate cancer is a very good example of a similar cancer type. I imagine that when you go about delivering this patient-centered research, you work with a multidisciplinary team. Can you tell us about your team? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to say is that it's patient's that's really important. So working as patients with partners through every step of the research. So this is right at the start of the concept, the trial design, the delivery, the analysis, interpretation of the results and writing up the manuscript and being authors. It means that we deliver trials with research questions that are really important to patients and also designs which we know that people will wish to participate in. So an example is the CIUK funded primetime study that I am chief investigator of, and this uses a really simple biomarker and it combines clinical information with routine immunohistochemistry and what we call key 67, which is a measure of proliferation. And this is aimed to identify people at very low risk of breast cancer relapse. This is getting to the stage where the risks of the small risks of breast radiotherapy may outweigh even smaller absolute benefits. So to safely avoid radiotherapy altogether for these people. So we've worked really closely with patient advocates. And in particular, they told us that they wanted to have this additional information because it's about their cancer um, so that they can make decisions about that information about them and their cancer. And that's whether to proceed with radiotherapy or not. So we built this element of choice into the trial design. So going back to your question about Multidisciplinary working, absolutely essential. It can be a huge team, particularly with radiotherapy, because there's obviously oncologists, there's nurses, but there's also radiographers, there's physicists. 
And everyone is an essential person in that because the radiotherapy planning is very complex and it can usually take around about two weeks to produce a really high quality radiotherapy plan and that's tailored to each individual person. Really high intensity of many people working for one person. That's yeah, really abso abso absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, Charlotte, how has your research been translated into the clinic to impact patients? Well, we're really pleased. One example is in Port Low. That tested whole versus partial breast radiotherapy in, in over 2,000 patients with low-risk breast cancer, and that was recruited across 72 UK centres. And what it showed was that there were extremely low rates of breast cancer recurrence across all of the groups. But importantly, patients reported less changes in breast appearance and also in firmness and hardness of the breast with the partial breast radiotherapy, so that they had less side effects. And this has gone on to change practice internationally. And what we're particularly pleased about this is that it used a, a really simple radiotherapy technique. So it meant that, you know, it can be used anywhere. It's not just something that can be used in high-income countries. It can be used across the board to benefit patients. We're not just thinking inside and outside of Cambridge, but globally, in fact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think it will become standard of care? Has it already become standard yeah, of care? It has become standard of care. It's standard of care in the UK is in NICE guidelines and in many other countries worldwide. So I know you're a chief investigator for five multi-centre clinical trials. Tell me, does the multi-site nature of these trials come with challenges and opportunities? So it comes with challenges, but it's great fun because it's, it, it's just brilliant to work uh, with people across the whole of the UK and that involves also Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland. So, so that's fantastic. And you build up relationships with, with different centres and it's, it's a real collaborative feel. And you also learn a lot from the other centres as to how to do things. So it's very much a two-way process. Yes, there are challenges, um, but I would say that actually the opportunities are huge. And what's really important, if you involve lots of different centres, it means that lots of different people can take part in those trials. And, you know, we know that if centres have taken part in, in trials, they're much more likely to implement that into routine practice as well. So it's about equity of access for people all around the UK to take part in clinical trials, not, not just centres from the so-called ivory towers. It's for everyone. Much bigger than just what we do here in Cambridge. Absolutely. That's fantastic. <laughs> And can you tell me about the PARABLE trial? So I, I know that you're involved with this trial. I, I think it's, yeah. is it a precision-driven radiotherapy trial? It is a precision-driven radiotherapy trial, but, but it's a proton beam therapy trial. So very precise, but it uses a different type of radiation that we call proton beam therapy. So we've now got two NHS centres in Manchester and UCLH. So that gives us a fantastic and, and really unique opportunity to design high-quality trials this has failed a lot elsewhere in the world um, in terms of defining that evidence. But in the UK, with our child background, we think this gives us a fantastic chance to actually develop who's going to benefit from these. So Parable is funded by the NHR and MRC. It's, again, a huge multidisciplinary team. And we also have fantastic quality assurance from, we're very lucky in the UK because we've got a dedicated UK radiotherapy quality assurance team and um, that looks after every single trial with radiation elements in it. So that's pretty unique to the UK. And we've also got um, international partners in Denmark who are carrying out our international credentialing because obviously proton beam therapy is new to us with breast radiotherapy.
So Parable targets a, a very small but really important group of people with breast cancer. And, and these are people that are estimated to have a, a higher, and, and what we mean by high, is around 2% or more estimated lifetime risk of radiation-induced heart problems. We think that's around about 500 patients per year, so it could feasibly be treated at the two proton beam centres if needs be. And it's a very small percentage compared to the over 30,000 patients that we usually treat with breast radiotherapy. You may already know, but proton beam therapy gives a more targeted treatment than our standard X-ray radiotherapy. So the dose to the heart could be reduced even further. But what we don't know um, is some of the earlier side effects, such as changes to the skin and breast, may be increased with um, proton beam therapy because the early reports in non-randomized trials have shown that that's a possibility. So that's something that we really want to look at as well. And our patients have said that it's really important not just to look at these long-term effects, but look at the earlier ones as well. So Parable randomizes to proton beam therapy into our standard X-ray treatment. And this mean heart dose is an early predictor of those much later problems. So it means that we don't have to have 10,000 patients that we're following up for 20 years. We can actually have a much smaller sample size and we have an early indicator so that this can get into practice very quickly. But as our patients said, we've got a co-primary endpoint and it's actually patient-reported breast tissue effects at two years. So really giving the, the patient's perspective as well. And the trial's open. First patients have been treated, incredibly exciting. Uh, took a huge amount of work, but they've had a, a fantastic experience. And yeah, we've now had three patients who've gone through the proton beam therapy side and three through from the um, standard. So things are going well and we're opening sites all around the UK. It's great to hear you talk, how you partner with the patients on something like this. This is something that is obviously so important to them. And it's just wonderful to hear that that, that is absolutely happening on an active clinical trial. That's really great. Absolutely. And, and we have a fantastic relationship with patient advocates. I've had patient advocates who, who have rung me up and said, look, Charlotte, actually, we don't think this is going to work. And as a result of that, we, we have changed the design. And, and it's only when you've got that relationship with patients that you can actually do something that is in real partnership. The other thing that we do is is focus groups. So we've got patient advocates who work with us very closely. But what we need is a really broad number of people with lived experience of cancer. You know, it may be that they haven't personally had cancer. It may be carers. It may affect family members. And they all need to input as well. Um, because they've got different views, they've got different backgrounds. So it's incredibly important that we actually listen. Can you tell me about the CRUK Radnet Cambridge and how it helps drive progress in your field? Yep, absolutely. So Radnet is a network of seven radiation cancers of, of excellence um, in the UK. And this came about as a result of five-year CRUK funded award in radiation biology and oncology infrastructure. So Radnet Cambridge is one of these centres. And it came about as a result of CIUK's commissioned strategic review of their investment in radiotherapy. And they came up with three very interesting findings. The first one was that radiation research is really important, so we, we knew that already. The second one was that it had been chronically underfunded for many years, and we knew that too. The third one was interesting, and it was really about this disconnect between the radiation discovery biology research and the radiotherapy clinical trials. And this was creating a block in translating benefit for patients. 
So one of the key strategic elements of Radnet Cambridge is that it brings in world-class scientists. And many of these haven't even thought about radiation discovery biology as, as a main theme before. And that's really important because what it means is that they then look at the problem through a different lens. And that brings really fresh and innovative ideas. And then they can apply that to radiation research. An example that we have um, here in Cambridge is Flash RT. It sounds exciting and it is exciting. It's an emerging radiation technology and it sounds quite sci-fi because it's this extremely high dose of radiation that's given in just a fraction of a second. And it's thought that it has the potential to destroy tumours with, with very little effect on, on normal tissues. So we could say that this is the holy grail of radiotherapy, but although there's been hundreds, if not thousands of papers written on it, we don't actually know exactly how it works. So we've got a group of internationally leading scientists in DNA damage response at Cambridge, and they're working together with other RADnet centres on this, and they're using really novel 3D tumour and tissue models. And what they hope to do is kind of unpick and understand the underlying mechanistic biology. And by understanding, this means that we can then exploit this technology and then get it into practice, into clinical trials quicker. So, so I think this is a really exciting, groundbreaking area of Radnet Cambridge. It's amazing to hear how the Cambridge ecosystem and then uh, and further out into the Radnet ecosystem can bring all these people together to solve these really you know challenging problems. It's yeah. really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think your research could be incorporated into integrated cancer medicine? Can it be integrated into the approach? Well, it is. That's the bottom line. So it's absolutely perfect for that approach because, as we've said, it's Radiotherapy has a huge amount of imaging. So, you know, you have the imaging before radiotherapy to plan it all, but then you have multiple imaging every day because you need imaging to be able to make sure that you're actually targeting the right place on a day-to-day -day basis. It's got clinical information. It's got biological information. We have patient-reported information. And it really requires, ideally, a, a machine learning approach to understand this phenomenal amount of rich data and you know we feel that this can be used to tailor radiotherapy later for future patients the ai yeah. element will will come in yeah in the future. well we're already we're already doing this in our cruk radnet trial which is hamlet rt so that started off as a very small cambridge entity and it's now become multi-center it's run run by raj jenna here in cambridge but what's really exciting is that we've had a recent visit to india in kolkata with Tata Medical Centre and what we're hoping to do is partner with them to set up the trial with them and that they've actually got some really great ideas with machine learning as well. They're also doing that so we can learn from them as well. And what we want to do is layer on translational research. So we're already doing that as part of Hamlet RT back in the UK, looking at serial samples and circulating tumour DNA. But we want to do that in Kolkata as well, particularly looking at head and neck cancer, because we know that the etiologies of head and neck cancer in the UK are actually quite different from India. And by looking at the genomics underpinning this will give us some really interesting insights. So some really exciting work going on there. And so then I guess my last two questions, first of all, where do you see your research taking you in the next five to 10 years? Personally, it's been taking me all around the world, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that I'm involved with is chairing the Lancet Breast Cancer Commission. And 
that's been fantastic because it's actually opened my eyes to global issues that I had no idea about. So it, I've learned so many new things. So that involves around 30 international commissioners, which includes um, patient advocate commissioners from all over the world, from high and low middle income countries. And we're looking at not just radiotherapy, but right across the board, we're looking at biomedical issues, um, but we're also looking at gender issues, we're looking at social injustice, we're looking at in inequity issues. And the idea is that we come up with some very bold, they might be quite uncomfortable messages actually, but then have the underpinning evidence and come up with recommendations for change that can be actionable and that can be picked up by global policymakers so that we can make a change. And we're, we're also doing some original research that we've had funded separately in the UK, um, but also in Mexico and India. And um, so that will also make the, the story very compelling. So I can't talk much about the content at the moment, but that's something that is really exciting. Yeah, I uh, feel very passionate about that as well as RADNET, as well as the risk-adapted breast radiotherapy. So yeah, I'm going to be busy, but it's fantastic. And I feel very fortunate to, to be involved with such such great people, really. It's such an amazing <laughs> sort of outlook. I mean, talk about thinking big. It's fantastic. <laughs> and so that brings me to my last question, which is where do you see integrated cancer medicine taking us in the next five to 10 years? I, well, I think it's the future, isn't it? I think that gone are the days of one size fits all for anything. And I think actually the way that we're moving together, particularly in Cambridge but elsewhere, is to make sure that we have really tailored, individualised treatments for everybody so that they have the best chance of cure and also the most effective treatment if we're not looking for cure in some patients because we mustn't forget those metastatic cancer, just as important, with kinder treatments as well, so the least side effects because it's really, really important that we keep those to the absolute minimum or eliminate them. And also it's involving the patient, or should we say people, because using the word patient is quite passive, but actually we're all people and it should be a conversation as well. So as well as all the biology and physics and all this fantastic science, it's about their views too and how that fits with what they feel and their wishes and their lifestyle. So it's a conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me this afternoon. It's been such a great conversation. Thank you. Well, it's lovely to talk to you, Ellie. Thank you. If you want to find out more about the work of the Mark Foundation Institute for Integrated Cancer Medicine, please visit our website at www.integratedcancermedicine.org, where you can find details of the ICM vision, all the current research, clinical trials, resources, publications, and team information. You can keep up to date with our latest news and events, and you can also sign up for our newsletter. If you would like more information about the work of the CRUK Cambridge Centre, please go to www.crukcambridgecentre.org.uk, or you can connect with us on Twitter using our handle at CRUK Cam Centre. Thanks for listening and do join us again soon. <laughs>